Life is hard. Life with chronic, critical, and complex health concerns is even harder. We all know someone who is struggling with health issues or disability. It might even be you. And in the pain and suffering, we wonder if it's possible to move from surviving to thriving. We struggle to hope, struggle to persevere, struggle to trust that God knows what he's doing. But in the struggle, there is real hope, and it's possible to be rooted and ready to weather the storm. Welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. We are husband and wife team Brandon and Amy Smith. The Blue Stem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. Welcome back. We're into season two. We're here. We're ready to do episode one and share with you a little bit about holiday heartache. You know, when dealing with medical hardship or disability, holidays can be a cause for our hearts to ache rather than for our hearts to be warmed by the family relationships, bonding experiences, and a sense of cultural belonging that are supposed to accompany holidays. So that's the direction we're going to go. Yeah. And what is unique about this season, for us at least, as we sit here, is that before we started recording, we had to pray and ask (laughs) the Lord to keep our four-month-old Bridger (laughs) asleep for an hour so we can try to accomplish this. (laughs) Crank it out really fast. Oh, yes. And while our family dynamics have changed slightly... In the spirit of holidays and thinking about holidays, um, the rhythms of life haven't changed too much. And when I think of holidays and, and ways we celebrate, I often think back to my childhood of some of the ways my family celebrated certain things, specifically even the 4th of July. Not everyone celebrates that super highly or specifically. But your or, family does. Or it's tradition, but my family kind of does. We like to head to the lake and be on the water and spend way too much time in the sun eating really yummy food, especially like, oh, I don't know, like remember fruit pizza, like the sugar cookie base and the cream cheese frosting and turn it into a yep. flag with strawberries and blueberries. Yeah, things like that. So yummy grilled food and time uh, just playing in the water, whether it's skiing or tubing. And that's kind of become a very high highly anticipated tradition as a childhood memory for me. And it's kind of become a little bit with, with our kids a little. Yeah. I have a little bit of a unique take or spin on what I enjoy for holidays. Well, I remember you've told me some things about certain things are more important to you than birthdays even, which is interesting. Yeah. I, (laughs) I used to say growing up and I, I would, I still do that deer hunting opener, is a bigger deal than Christmas morning. That I'm more excited. I'm more excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we've also developed, even in the last few years, for me and my birthday, we have a seafood feast, mm-hmm. and that's how we mm-hmm. celebrate. And yeah. the way we do it is, I and Brody, and a friend that lives with us, uh, Sam, get to eat a whole bunch of seafood. And you, cute wife, who do not like seafood, we grill a chicken breast. <laughs> yep, I have chicken during the seafood feast. Yep, <laughs> and yep. it's perfect. But I still like it. Hmm. Well, we what we want to do in this episode is give you five ways that we've seen that holidays can end up turning from these sort of heartwarming events or times to heartache, and then give you a few Christ-centered and practical remedies to these challenges. And so the first one is perhaps the most obvious, but we hmm. want to unpack it a bit, and it's this. 
the holidays can become hard when you're dealing with uh, medical hardship or disability because those hardship or disability can separate you from family. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, you know, why is it hard to be separated from family? And a few of the things that came to my mind is the fact that the family is God's primary institution. Mm-hmm. You know, there are an incredible number of Old Testament laws that protect and preserve the family mm-hmm. uh, instead of, say, the government or the state. And so you look at, you know, four of the Ten Commandments protect the family. So that's one reason. And because of this, like the family unit is the basic unit of society. So where the the family goes, so goes society. And the family, I was thinking about this, has a shared past, right? You have shared experiences. Like a sacred history. Yeah, yeah. Growing up and knowing each other. But you also have a shared past in terms of where you came from. Mm -hmm. So grandparents, great-grandparents, who were they? What were they like? Where did they hail from? Uh, What amazing deeds did they do? What infamous deeds did they do? You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons (laughs) Ancestry.com is so so popular because the family has a shared past. It has a presumably a shared present and also presumably Mm -hmm. a shared future. In other words we think that in the future our family is going to be there and it doesn't always work out because of sin in the world. But we look to the fact that, you know, especially as we get older and our bodies start to fail, who's going to be there to help us or take care of us? We intuitively think of our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the family does. It gives definition to who who you are, who we are now, who we were and where we're going in our lives and who we will become and in that I did I mentioned it's like a sacred history there's there's memories and and life spent together that tends to create that kind of closer knit relationship and that can create more of a familiarity which can help to even allow for letting your guard down in those interactions and as a family I think we would fail our audience if we didn't even just mention that we realize that not all families are healthy and that not, you know, connecting this way, it doesn't always happen. And so there is a recognition of that. But in general, these things are true. It's a place to be that, that you're safe where you can be loved and love and you can be both known and know other people in a deep, significant way. And that impacts things greatly. Kurt Bruner, I think is how you say it from Focus on the Family, even said it. The family provides a safe place for where children can experience God's love, which is through their parents, and learn how to love other people. It really is. It's a very integral kind of dynamic, a family dynamic. And even if you think of secular things like the value of eating a meal together, and they talk about the value of spending time together as a nuclear family and getting that time is really important. So these things are in light of just day-to-day the importance of the family. But as you mentioned earlier, when sickness or aging comes about, in general, the need and that that importance of the family grows even again. And even if you look at scripture in 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, it says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. There's value in caring for 
our family and those that the Lord has put in mm-hmm. and created as a, a nuclear family. And I would even say, though, to some degree, at some point in life, generally you do feel this kind of missing out if you, uh, let's say, have a child or yourself is sick and you can't be a part of a bigger festivity or something going on and there is just this sense of I'm missing out I want to be a part of something or goodness the reality that most of us has ex- have experienced it somewhat to some degree with COVID going on and being in quarantine and different dynamics affecting how we can gather and be together really really is significant it's that sense of missing out because you once were together and now you can't you know one of the things that tends to happen right is someone is sick you can't all gather together for a holiday um, you could say so sick or going through chemo or yeah yeah so, so you're, you're displaced mm-hmm. what are some ways that we can handle that disappointment or that problem and the first one we would like to give you is is theological and then maybe a couple practical ones but first to think of the fact that if you know christ you're in christ you have a, a family that you are a part of, a spiritual family. You're always united to God. The, the doctrine of this, we could say, is adoption. So like in Ephesians 1.5, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Also in Galatians 4, it talks about adoption as well in verses 4 to 5. When it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so it has been helpful to me when mm-hmm. we have missed out on a number of holiday occasions to remind myself, okay, I have been adopted into God's family, mm-hmm. and I have a place there. And what's unique about this family or God as my father is that I am never totally separated. Mm, mm -hmm. So while we can be separated by distance, space for time, time illness with our earthly families, we don't, we don't have that problem when we think about our, our heavenly family. Mm -hmm. And in light of that too, that there's a guaranteed security in that adoption as well. I think of Romans 835 Ask the questions, who shall separate us from the Lord or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If you look a few verses later, it answers those questions. It says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can change that forever promise of the eternal security. Yeah, and I think of, you know, in John 10, Jesus is talking about giving them eternal life. They're not going to perish. And he says, no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. Mm. And he says, my father uh, is greater than all, and no one's going to snatch them out of my father's hand. I remember someone gave me the analogy once. He was talking about walking with, I think it was his four-year-old daughter in the parking lot. And how he would hold her hand to make sure she didn't run off and, you know, maybe step in front of a moving vehicle or whatever. Mm. And he said, well, what happens if she lets go? Mm. And his answer was nothing because I'm not going to. Right. And was using this as as a simple analogy or picture Mm. 
mm-hmm. for the reality of our eternal security once we are in yeah. in Christ. So the fact that you know one of the options I think to benefit us when we're missing out with time with our families to look at I've been adopted into God's family. Mm-hmm. He is always there. I'm not separated from my my uh, heavenly Father, mm-hmm. and I never will be. Mm-hmm. To bring a, a sense of of comfort or belonging, even in the midst of missing out with your Extended. with your earthly family, mm-hmm. and, and so we have a yeah we have a couple practical mm-hmm. ways that I think in the last year all of us have gotten a lot better a little, at, at using and doing right. Well, and so there's something to be said about reminding ourselves of true truth and having that really dwell deeply in us, but it doesn't always ease that pain of missing out. So I think. Yeah, some of these practical things are definitely helping to fill that a little bit. I think we're, we're even getting better at it, too. I would say even for ourselves, oftentimes you or I are invited to, to attend, but then our nuclear family would be separated. So that's something we've even decided kind of as a family that holidays we would stick together at least instead of separating out that way. Yeah, it'd be just kind of sad for you if I would take off and go to it would be my family's Christmas and you are very and the boys sad. are home alone, and then I come back a day later, and then you yes. go somewhere else then I miss, with mm-hmm. your family. And Yes. Yeah. So I remember, as many of us might, not that long ago when uh, quarantine hit and COVID was a reality that everyone was hearing about and learning about. This is Easter of 2020 that my family did a zoom gathering (laughs) it's a practical way of connecting so when i say my family it was my parents um siblings i even had some aunts and my grandma um just you know jumping on saying hey hanging out in a a digital way that does not completely fix that missing of personal and in-person connection but it does bring you together in a in a common way and so yeah zoom facetime We've all gotten some experience in those in general. And they should have bought stock in Zoom. Should have bought stock in Zoom about 15 <laughs> months ago or so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's those are helpful, helpful kind of ways. But our second way is that holidays can bring heartache rather than be a heartwarming experience is that holidays can often surface a misunderstanding. Uh, they can be hard because we can be misunderstood in what we are choosing to do or not do. And I feel so bad for so many families that I've in different social media type um, support groups that I'm a part of seeing how families treat families that can't attend in certain ways, like rel- the relatives and how they respond. Thankfully, you and I haven't really had that experience. Yeah, yeah. No, our, our, our parents and siblings are very understanding of our current reality and the challenges that it imposes. But all too often, I do think from what I've seen and people sharing their stories, sadly, they're using these social media groups as ways to vent their frustration and their hurt and pain because they are being said, being told, you know, this is selfish of you, or why can't, like, there's really no understanding of why can't you come? Can't you just buck up and, and make it work and figure it out? Yeah, you're just, you're just being too weak. Mm-hmm. Buck up. Mm-hmm. Come on. Don't you love us? Exactly. Don't you love us enough to be able to buck up with your mm-hmm. uh, problems and issues to, to be here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sadly, it's, it's revealing 
the people that are responding that way, the family members that are responding that way, it reveals that there's, they're disappointed and there's a change from their hopes and expectations and they don't even know how to process it. So they just want to kind of blame, like let's say a family like ours that kind of has to opt out of a lot of things for various reasons. Yeah, one of the things that has come to my mind, I was reading in John 7 a while back, was the reality that Jesus was pretty misunderstood by his family mm-hmm. in this story. And it's, let me just read the first few verses of John 7, 1 to 5. It says this, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, uh, that your disciples may also see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. And so here, Jesus has a desire and knows he needs to be a part of the Feast of Booths. Um, But his brothers basically mock his life and ministry and don't know who he really is. Mm. Uh, So he does end up going, but initially when he does go, he goes in private. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus knows something of being misunderstood by his family. Yeah, and it's painful and hard. So let's go to our third way that holidays can bring heartache uh, instead of it being a heartwarming experience. And it's this. Holidays can be hard because you're excluded from the events and the food that make a culture a distinct culture. And so you miss out on kind of these cultural rhythms of life. So I looked up what the official U.S. holidays are right now. So this is kind of our American rhythm of life. We're together as a people or as a nation. We, we mm-hmm. rest and we celebrate. You got New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Memorial Day, mm-hmm. Independence Day, Labor Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Mm-hmm. All right. So being a part of our culture means that by participating in these things, we have a, a togetherness or a bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, right, so that, that's on the national level. You often see this with small towns as well. I remember <laughs> when I was growing up, I, I used to play in a softball tournament in this small town, ironically named Brandon. And it was the, the Brandon, you know, the small Minnesota town, the Brandon Days uh, Festival, whatever. It was kind of their yearly summer mm-hmm. town festival and me, a bunch of my buddies town. would, yeah, would get together and play in the softball tournament there and get second place like four or five years in a row. It was brutal. Very memorable. Yeah, that's what, that's, yeah, that's what I remember. We'd play really great, and then the last game we would stink it up and get second. But my point being, all cultures have these uh, rhythms of life that help mm. define it. And when you aren't able to participate, you feel to a degree like an outcast in your own culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about earlier, your family's love and desire to be mm. at the lake for mm-hmm. the 4th of July. Right. What has become, the, what the 4th of July has become for me, because Brandon I am Smith, at the is, lake. is this, yeah. You and Brody go and to the I, lake with Bridger your family. Mm-hmm. I'm at home with Beckett because taking him is not an option. It's too much stimulation. It's going to, cause mm-hmm. him to have seizures and so i typically take care of him get him in bed mm-hmm. 
and then he's you know asleep by seven o'clock. And what the Fourth of July has become for me is an annoyance mm. that all these fireworks are going on outside, mm-hmm. disturbing the sleep of my special needs son. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have a, you know, over the last few years, I no longer have a sense of looking forward to, you could say, or really celebrating right. the birth of our nation, you know, as, as an American. Right. And, and our circumstances kind of dictated this. Right. I know. And it is, it's kind of like what we were saying too with Jesus is just kind of, you're misunderstood and we're kind of a fish out of water, so to speak. And much the same that we are not, as much as there are these holidays and these cultural traditions, this is not our home as believers in Christ. This, this world is not our ultimate and we are not of this world. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I, I've often thought of, especially Philippians 3.20 on the 4th of July, all right, this is not my home. Mm-hmm. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm a sojourner here or an exile or a stranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be a little disappointing not to be having fun with everybody, but I, have a, I, have a, I belong to a greater kingdom. Mm-hmm. And actually the, you know, the, the book of First Peter, which was written to Christians who are undergoing immense amounts of suffering, one of the things that Peter mentions on multiple occasions is reminding them that this isn't their home. So even like right away, they're called elect exiles. Like mm. That's in the first verse of the book. In chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. So this reminder in the midst of suffering or hardship that, hey, this isn't your home. You have something else better to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Embrace your, your sojourner, exile, stranger, depending on your transla- translation, status here and now. And I think that that is a... A helpful way for us as followers of Christ to to look at our disappointments mm. around holiday mm-hmm. festivals. Mm-hmm. A good place to rest. And the fourth way that holidays can bring heartache rather than being heartwarming is the food. <laughs> I feel pretty strongly about this one. Holidays are hard because you miss out on food. But even more so, it's that relational significance that holiday meals provide. I think of, okay, I think of how connecting food is, even outside of being holidays or big celebrations. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I, what, just a couple months ago, I went on a weekend away with some fr- girlfriends, and I kid you not, I think the texting thread leading up to that weekend was predominantly about food. You know, what food are we eating? What are we <laughs> going to be gathering yeah. around? What meals are we going to prepare? And it just, it, it's something that brings people together. Even as we sit here, we're drinking our coffee because it's, you know, com- it brings comfort and something cozy. And well, food and we're is also addicted. And we might be slightly <laughs> addicted. Coffee's good. I might be. <laughs> but if you even just, I, I did a quick kind of little digging into the background of food and food and celebrations and preparing for this. And quickly Google, you know, as our go to uh, these days it became very clear to me as many sites would would say that food is an important part of any celebration in all nations of the world it can unite and strengthen community bonds and it helps maintain a common identity among a group 
of people. And so this transcends like cultures or religions or anything. Like food really does bring people together. I know you have mentioned many times to me the observation you made of my family early on in becoming a part of my family that I did not even notice at all because I just grew up it being normal. That's what you did. Yep. Uh-huh. But Brandon noticed early on that my family always gathers in the kitchen, around the kitchen island, in fact. And st- and we'll stand there <laughs> and talk for hours. And I'm looking at these really nice sofas and cushions, and I'm like, they're so lonely over there. You, and you know, while we're standing. Why don't we go, don't we go sit over here and, and enjoying <laughs> gathering and, time and, and talk? Yeah. Which reminds me, too. I mean, there's a reason that now current decoration is like the, the word gather you'll find in many ways to decorate your home and it's put in kind of kitchen areas or dining room areas because that's where it brings the table it brings people together but sharing a meal it, it's unique and it's a way to celebrate and that is something else that's missed or lost when you don't get together is is sharing that meal together and coming together and even looking a little further too oftentimes it's not the meal itself, because you and I celebrated Christmas Eve with different traditional meals. So it's the meal specifically, though, that becomes nostalgic for for that family unit. And so mm-hmm. there's a missing out on the nostalgia and that kind of emotional bond that comes with the meal that's being shared. And aside from family traditions that we're talking about with food, it's also not insignificant that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine and pertaining to food in a time of celebration and bringing, being the, the bringer of festival joy in that specific avenue. Yeah, I've recognized the sense of loss that not being able to share a meal with people can bring. And it was actually uniquely for me, and I don't know if this is just some of my personality or being a man or whatever, but the thought when I found out that Beckett would never be able mm. to eat from his mouth and would be on a feeding tube his whole life, like that was really sad to me to think, we're not going to share a meal together, or, or I think maybe in part because I hunt and fish. Hmm. Like we're not going to be able to go out and gather food and have that process of celebrating, celebrating the hunt or success fishing by having a meal together. Right. And you know, Brody and I do this all the time, and Brody and I will talk a lot about you know the fact that we'll get to do some of these things with Beckett in mm-hmm. heaven. And I think one of the one of the remedies that I would like to suggest to the, yeah, the fact that we can be end up being left out of some of these cool family, you know, experiences with food to celebrate is looking ahead again to heaven and something called the, the marriage feast of the lamb or the wedding feast of the lamb. And you might think that sounds odd if you've never heard of this, but, uh, Jesus is often called, right, the Lamb of God or the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And in heaven, his marriage to his bride, the church, he's the bridegroom, the church is his bride, is going to be, and there's going to be a celebration. There's going to be a feast, the Bible tells us. Uh, And in Revelation 19, it says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we have an ultimate celebration coming. Mm Mm-hmm. That if you, again, if you are in Christ and are a part of his family, you've been adopted in, you will experience this. Mm-hmm. And it, it trust, like mm-hmm. it's, it's worth looking forward to way more than any 
Christmas Eve feast. Any, any Christmas Eve or, <laughs> or seafood feast. <laughs> since, since that's probably my favorite. Depends on who you ask, yes. Yep. But I think, too, just, again, thinking practically, there are ways that maybe we can try to incorporate enjoying a, a meal together or bringing that nostalgia back, even in a smaller scale, around a meal. And I, I know sometimes, practically speaking, in our cir- circumstances, it's not always easy to add in making and preparing food on top of Beckett's daily routine and then add in a newborn now in our reality. But if there's even a way to make one dish or something special that was significant and having that included in some way can sometimes offer another element of feeling connected to maybe people that are miles away but enjoying the same food and and kind of bringing it back in some Yeah, yeah, Cel- celebrating in your own way mm-hmm. is a practical. You might or, you might not think like, "Oh, I should actually put in the time and effort to make something really neat for those of us who are separated for this moment, mm-hmm. but I think it would do more for you than you mm-hmm. expect." Right. And but even let too like if you really don't have logistically the ability to make the meal if you're caring for someone i would say don't hesitate to ask if someone might make it for you i think of you know my my mom was here with us for christmas this year again we had a newborn we we didn't have nursing care for for beck so she specifically said what would you like me to make and i grew up with her so she knows what i kind of always want anyway but she was willing to to make the meal to kind of bring that bring that back and so she made the Swedish meatballs mashed potatoes and corn and the lefsa because that's what that's what we enjoy but it's it, it just helps kind of keep you connected uh, even though it's not the big big large scale maybe that we're used to okay so the the fifth and final way the holidays can bring heartache instead of a heartwarming phenomenon is that you experience real exhaustion instead of refreshment yeah when, when you're caring for a loved one who has medical needs, the demands are high, and it's, it can be taxing. Even if there's joy and, and a, a desire, it's a lot of work. And we know that firsthand with Beckett that, well, as you've said, there's a reason that he qualifies for, technically he should qualify for 24 hours a day nursing care, but is for sure 12 hours a day. Like, there's yeah, we, we can't handle it all on our, on our own, so we get help. Right. It's not sustainable. So when things like holidays come up, we have seen and we really understand why there's a change sometimes in our our nursing care because it's holidays and people are spending time with their families and therefore sometimes we have more frequent open shifts. So we're caring for Beckett in those times and so logistically accomplishing all the fun traditional festivities that come with holidays fall by the wayside, but it's... Yeah, we, we just end up more exhausted, is mm-hmm. basically it. And we're happy that our nurses, you know, get the opportunity to go and spend mm-hmm. it with their families. God has given us the ultimate responsibility mm-hmm. to care for Beckett. And so we are to shoulder that and not complain in any way, and we're not. Mm-hmm. But it is a reality, like, yeah, sometimes I think about work on the the Monday or Tuesday or the day after a holiday and realize like it's gonna be really hard for mm-hmm. me to function and effectively get all that I want done in light of the fact that we're gonna be Caring. taking care of, of Beckett for a day or a few days 
mm-hmm. at a kind of a full-time right. level. Right. I think of it through the grid of like when there's no school, no nurse, there's no respite care, there's no breaks. And the lack of routine that oftentimes comes with holidays and changes or change in routine, families just exert themselves more and it's, it's taxing and tiring. Yeah. And I, you know, I have heard from, from friends, from other people who, you know, have a child perhaps who has autism and that the strain of trying to, you know, parent them in an environment with other people or at a family Mm -hmm. gathering is just really pretty high. Mm -hmm. And so that that ends up being a very taxing Mm -hmm. situation and time for them. Mm -hmm. And I know, at least for me in the middle of all this, one of the the remedies I I have found I have to look to, and there are a few promises of scripture or verses that have become even more near and dear to me in the last number of years uh, to help me are these. Well, I'll give one, and then maybe you can give a couple, and I'll give Mm -hmm. another one. But in Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Mm -hmm. Even youth shall shaint, or shall faint, sorry, <laughs> and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I oftentimes remind myself too of the work that we're doing is really significant, caring for Beckett. In our in our reality, it's caring for Beckett, and it's, it's very significant. And in First Peter... 510 it says and after you have suffered a little while the god of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you so kind of this idea that then comes out of even first corinthians is that knowing that this work is not in vain that doing work unto the lord and what he's called us to and it's purposeful and meaningful work that we're doing it says on chapter 15 verse 48 or 58, rather, in 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I've often found comfort in Jesus' statement in Matthew 25, when he says, Truly I say to you, as you did uh, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. That has been incredibly encouraging for me to think about, okay, I'm tired you know, taking care of Beckett and doing this is, is hard. Um, it's not easy. But in doing so, the Lord sees it as though I'm doing it for him. And mm-hmm. this is a, yeah, a huge, a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. I think one of the more even practical, but kind of continuing on with these verses as we renew our mind about them, as we endure the exhaustion, is really asking the Lord to change our expectations. And... I mentioned earlier just reminding me that what we are doing in caring for Beckett is purposeful and has meaning and is significant. And while what I dreamed or pictured for a holiday to look like, even though it doesn't look that way, that what we are doing is significant and of great importance and and not just even an obligation but can, can bring joy. And I think even praying and asking the Lord to give me yes the physical energy and clear mind to focus but also to delight in in the care for him and what becomes our family normals yeah 
Yeah, well, we really do want to thank you for listening um, and processing with us the heartache that can come uh, with holidays when you're dealing with medical hardship uh, and disability. Uh, it has been a pleasure having you at this episode of mm-hmm. the Bluestone Project. And again, we want to remind you that the Bluestone Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. And we do this by helping root you in Christ by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. Yeah, again, it would be an honor to continue to take this journey with you. Please do hit the subscribe button and tell a friend or family member experiencing health issues and medical disability about the Bluestone Project. Mm-hmm.